God, we love you. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for the blessings that you give. Thank you for Jesus, salvation, redemption, sanctification. Continue to teach us and invite us into understanding what it means to follow you. Continue to open our heart and our spirit to the truth of who we are in you and who you are to us. Lord, I pray this morning that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. 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 Matthew chapters 5 through 7, they're called, those chapters are kind of summed up as a Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is a, it's a chunk of teaching where Jesus is inviting us into something different, inviting us into something that's new. And chapter 6 is, is probably one of my favorite parts of the whole Sermon on the Mount, actually a little bit later in chapter 6. And there's this section of text that begins in like verse 25. It talks about, uh, it invites us into this place of not worrying about things, about, about stuff. And we go to that text many times to kind of console our hearts. When life kind of beats up on us, when we're unsure of things, there's this invitation there to, to trust God, to trust that God loves us, to trust that that love, it doesn't ebb and flow, but it, it, it's always flowing to us. It's always flowing upon us, this love of God. And if you spend time kind of letting that whole section marinate, I believe there's more going on there than just this call, this invitation not to be worried about things. There's, there's more, there's, there's, there's a depth that's, that Jesus is kind of getting to, that he's kind of hinting to, especially when he comes towards the end of that section. So what I thought we would do is that we would, let's, let's, just, let's just stand and read this together. This, this is a good text to read as we enter into this busy season of Christmas are you ready? Let's go. Therefore, I tell you.
Amen. That is the word of God. That's, that's this section in chapter 6. You can have a seat. Thanks. And, 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 and it's this invitation on the surface not to worry. But as, as we come to the end of this, it's actually verse 33. Jesus kind of speaks to, to where this is all going. What, what this is really about. He goes, sometimes he speaks this, these sentences, these single sentences that give this overarching um, idea or accumulation or summarization of where he wants us to land. And, and, and verse 33 is one of those. Verse 33 is a very powerful text. And it kind of sums up his life almost. It's, it, there's there's a, a summing up of his mission and a summing up of even the whole Christian gospel. As Jesus invites us, not only here, but this is what he'll tell us in verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. So right at the end of this whole section of don't worry about stuff, don't worry about food, don't worry about what you wear, Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Mark chapter 1, Jesus introduces this idea of kingdom. He says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. And now he's even pressing a little bit more into this idea of kingdom. And in our culture, in our society, we have trouble understanding the full implications of kingdom because we don't live in a kingdom, we live in in a democracy. And it's important for us to understand kingdom, kingdom theology. But that's kind of a, a sermon series for a different time. We can't get in there. But what I want to point out is Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is here. I'll go after it. Get on it. Pursue this thing. I would say that in today's world, there's, there's some confusion about the Christian message. There's, there's some confusion about what we believe, what we live for. People, people seem to latch on, and, and I mean people outside of the church, they seem to latch on and pull down these ideas that are, that are kind of uh, strewn across the media or things that politicians would say, or, you know, they, they get behind these, these wacko fundamentalist Christians who kind of spew hate instead of the love of Jesus. And, and the problem with those types of things is that it, that it, it grays the message of the gospel. It, it darkens who Jesus is and the message that he came to give. Our faith is not some political ideology. It's not about a moral majority. It's not about that we do this and we do that, but we don't do those other things. We can't know who God is outside of the revelation of who he is in this book. This is how we know who God is. This is how we know who he is, what he does, and how much he loves us. Now, yes, God reveals himself to us in deeper ways through our own prayer, through, through meditation, and, and he speaks directly into our heart and our soul individually and as a community. But those things have to line up with the truth of Scripture. This is, this is the bar. This is the foundation right here. And so we have to keep returning back to the source, back to this truth to help us, to keep us focused on the truth. And in one, one sentence, Jesus unleashes 
this overarching big idea, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. You know, the message that Jesus brought, it was a different message than that was ever heard of up until that point in history and, and beyond. There has been no other message that has been brought to this earth like the message of Jesus. It pushes against humanity. It pushes against uh, what we believe as just in our human nature, in our sinful nature. The gospel message, it, it challenges us at the core of who we are, of, of how we live. And Jesus begins to kind of unpack this, this core for us. Now, let's go back to the original I want to look at a few verses here. Verse 31 and 32. It says, So don't worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Remember, Jesus is speaking to the Jewish people. These people know God. These people know their Old Testament. They know the Scripture. They regarded themselves as God's people because they, they were God's people. And back in this time, in this day, there were those people who were God's people, who were God followers, and there were those who were not. And, and it was just a very simple truth. And I'm not sure it's, it's, it's much different today. There are those people who follow Jesus, and there are those people who do not follow Jesus. There are those people that, that recognize that God is above and, and in all things. And there are those people that, that don't. They live their life like God does not matter or God does not exist or he's not involved in this world. When Jesus comes and he teaches, he's teaching in a way that he's saying that those who follow God, and now especially through him because he, has, he is the Messiah, those who will follow God are called, are invited to live a different way, in a new way, something that's, that just goes beyond sometimes reason, sometimes that seems to push the boundaries of common sense. What he is suggesting is, is not only countercultural, but almost counterintuitive for our human nature. Don't worry about eating. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. See, the life that we're invited into is not just like slightly different, a little different on the, on the fringes. It's something that's uniquely, radically different. And the problems we face as people, the problems that the world face, they go beyond just superficial. They go beyond uh, just outside things. They go beyond food and clothing and power and money. The problem actually lies deep with, within us. And it's actually a bit profound if you begin to think about it. And what Jesus tells us, but seek first something different. Jesus is telling us what is the most important thing. Jesus is concerned about what our priority in life is. Because there is something that should be a priority, and many times we miss it. There's, I think there's way too many people, and part of it is our fault, it's the church's fault. I think there's way too many people that believe that Christians believe we're better than other people. That, that we're better because we don't do certain things, or we do certain things, because we believe certain things, or we don't believe certain things. And so, and so they, they think that we think that we're better 
because of who we are. We have this ego, and even in the ego, we're a little uh, hypocritical. And, and the problem is, like I said, that could be true. Sometimes the church comes across that way that we are better. And the bigger problem is that we shouldn't believe that in the first place. Not even a little bit. Because what the scripture tells us, we have been saved by grace. So nobody gets to puff up their chest and say, ha ha, look what I did. I'm a good person. God loves me best. I mean, he does love me best, but that has nothing to do with you all. It just, it's, ta-da. But, but what I'm saying is we shouldn't think we're better than other people. And too many people think that we think that we do. And the problem again is sometimes we, we do. But there should be a difference in the way we live our lives. We're called and invited into something different. And, and it, is, it is a better life. It is a, it is a rhythm and a harmony with God. But it doesn't make us better than anyone. And Jesus begins to address and talk about, and the whole sermon, the whole three chapters in Matthew are about this invitation of what it looks like. But he begins to talk about something that's interesting, and it's kind of a different message than from what the world talks about. In verse 21 of chapter 6, actually starts around verse 19, but he talks about this idea of treasure. You know, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but instead store up your treasures in heaven. And he said, because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. Treasure is something about, it's, it's something deep within us. When you treasure something, it's not that you like it. It's not, it's not like you, you don't treasure a food. You like food. But when you treasure something, it's a posture of the heart. Jesus is talking about a heart issue. Not just external stuff that's going around or taking place or that we're prioritizing. He's getting to the roots of who we are. He's going deep. What is in our heart is what we will make a priority. And he says, where your treasure is, so your heart will be. Now, the heart in Jesus' day and the culture was the center of life. It's not just the physical bump, 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 bump. It was, it was at the core of who you are. So it has nothing to do with superficiality. It has nothing to do with the external stuff. He's talking about a deep down who we are for real at the core. And the problems that we face in our world, the problems that uh, we all run into, the problem with humanity, isn't going, it's not going to be some easy fix of trying harder, doing more, fixing our behavior. Because that's not, necess- that's not the problem. The problem lies deep within us. The problem is the heart, the darkness of the human heart. It's our human propensity to, um, because of sin, that we lose track of that understanding. We lose track of what's really going on to us and around us. See, at, at the real core of the issue, we're not kind of broken. We're not kind of messed up. Oh, we're all the way. I mean, we're hook, line, and sinker. We are broke. And the world calls us to look into the wrong direction. The world calls us to, calls us to look in the external. But it's the heart that gets us in trouble. Because where your treasure is, so your heart is also. And we don't need some tweaks here or there. We don't need social reform. We don't need political reform. Those things don't fix the human heart. Self-help won't do it. Oprah won't do it. I don't know why I'm picking on Oprah, but 
came to mind. By ourselves, we can't fix what's deep down in us. Yeah, we can fix some of the outer stuff. We can try to be more disciplined. We can try to fix our behavior. We can avoid those triggers that, that kind of set us off and lead us down the path. But, but you know that old saying, when you put lipstick on a pig? It's still a pig. <laughs> the newness that we need is deep down within us. Jesus told Nicodemus that in John chapter 3. He said, you must be born again completely transformed inside because when the transformation takes place on the inside then things begin to change on the outside and being born again is not yeah i'm gonna gonna give this jesus thing a try being born again is is a way of life it's it's this invitation into something new a new way of life we cannot understand god just from some intellectual examination from the outside going okay let me see if this all adds up It's about the giving of ourselves, surrendering of ourselves. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus would say it this way. He would say, deny yourself, take up your cross, and come and follow me. Follow me is the invitation that Jesus gives. Throughout all of the Gospels, he's inviting us, follow me, follow me. There's a new road to life. There's there's a different life. That's the invitation, and that's where we're asked are invited to surrender to. Because in that surrendering is a following, in that surrendering is a transformation. But it's active and it's deliberate and it's committed. See, Jesus is pointing out through this whole thing that the problem is it's where your heart is. And if your heart's in the wrong place, then you're going to miss what's going on. You're going to not have a correct understanding. The root of brokenness, the root of pain, is that our hearts are focused on the wrong things. And you can't dispute that the world's messed up. Not even from a Christian perspective. I mean, just from a, a, a human perspective, things are broken. Things have gone, uh, have, have run amok. And how we view life from deep down will determine how we live. What we make a priority in our life will determine how we live. And it's our sin nature that we will make things other than God the most important thing in our life. And it will lead us astray every time. We tend to, as humans, both in the church and outside the church, make what is not the most important thing the most important thing. And that's all about where your heart is. It's all about what you've made priority. See, our heart's priorities define who we are. And there's no way around that truth. You can try to argue it away. You can try to uh, convince yourself into believing something different. But what you do, how you live, and the things you take part in, they define what you believe. They define what's inside of you. Now, I want to speak. I want to give you a little illustration about this idea of priority. And as a pastor, I'm going to use church. Now, I am not criticizing anyone, so please don't take this as a criticism. Um, it's, it's just the best one I can think of. I believe that church is a very important part of the spiritual life of a Christian. And, and it's not the most important, but it is pretty important. It's part of a series of important things that we as Christians should take part in. It's the attending of, of church. 
Now, we all miss church for various reasons. I missed it two weeks ago. I was working hard in Cancun, Mexico. No, 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 don't laugh. It was for 20 minutes, I pastored that group of people. I thought you would, you know, oh, he had to work. There is no sacrifice too big for this man when it comes to the kingdom of God, okay? But we all miss church for various reasons. And sometimes we miss church for, for you know, extended uh, Sundays in a row. Now, what I'd like you to do, you know, take a minute and, and think through some of the reasons why you've missed church. I'll give you a minute. And, and seriously, not just the last time, but, but, but think of a few times. Think of a few of your reoccurring themes in your life, why you miss Sunday church. Now, with those reasons kind of fresh in your brain, let's begin to ask a couple questions. If somebody gave you tickets to your favorite musician to go to a concert, would you miss that concert for the same reason that you would miss church? If you have, if, if you have a family picnic, would you miss that family picnic for the same reason that you would miss church? If you had a day out with friends, Would you miss that day out with friends for the same reason why you would miss church? Maybe we can can push it a little bit deeper. Would you be willing to miss the concert for church? Would you be willing to miss the picnic for church? Would you be willing to miss that day out with friends for church? It's uh, It's an interesting example See, Jesus is speaking about priority. Where is our priority? Because where that is, that's where our heart is. Now, I'm not saying missing church means that you are an ungodly sinner. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes we get caught up in the wrong things, the wrong priorities. We begin to to miss the things that feed our soul. We lose track of the direction that we're being invited to walk in. In the words of Jesus, we put the wrong things first. We made other things important, more important than God. And he begins to, in this whole section of, of chapter 6, he, he begins to tell us what that looks like. Right? He says, again, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth. And isn't that what the world invites us to? to get more, to get more money, to, to climb the corporate ladder. If I just had a little bit more cash, I, then I would be happy. If I can just get a little bit more, then if my car had a GPS mounted in the dashboard, and I really do would like one of those. But anyway, but if, 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 if then I would be happy. Money, money is power. You cannot run for president of the United States unless you are really rich. Money is power. Those with the cash are in control. And it does sound a little bit cliche, but but that's the philosophy of the world. Money is not a bad thing, especially when it goes in that little brown box back there. It's not a bad thing. To have money, to work hard for money is not a bad thing. But when it begins to control you, when it begins to be your, your focus and your priority, that's where your heart is going to be. All about the money. And then Jesus, he, he in verse 25, he says, uh, 
I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body or what you wear. Is life not is not life more than food and the body more than than clothes? Life is way more than this, these physical things. But too often we make the priority of our lives about this. Food, drink, comfort, clothes. I'm very thankful that you're all wearing clothes. Don't get me wrong. But but when it becomes the priority, we want the comfort of being comfortable. And we are concerned too often about the here and about the now, about what I can get, the things that I possess. All this physical, all the physical stuff that we have and that we own cannot really bring us happiness. Not the, not the life that Jesus came to give us, this, this abundant life. And yet, we make it a priority. And we all, it's within the church and without the church. We all have that, that thing. I'm, I'm a recovering iPhone addict, and I'm, I'll admit that, and I'm trying to give that up. I still only have the six. I haven't gone for the S. If the seven comes out, all bets are off. And, and, and if we prioritize stuff, food, drink, clothes, money, things, possessions, if that's the priority, then you know what? You're never going to have enough. You will never have enough. You'll never get your fill. And when, you, and, when, and when you think you should have it and you don't have it, what sets in? Anxiety and worry. I need to have this stuff. I'm not having these, these things. And Jesus is bringing it all into the, to the scope of our reality. And so by not getting or by trying to get, we begin to worry. And all of this energy that it takes up and all this mental space, can it really add a single hour to your life? Can it add even a minute to your life? I would say that worrying about stuff and things and getting and more, it robs you of life. It robs you of days and hours and weeks. We worry about trying to get a better life here and now. And the whole time it's robbing us of the life that Jesus came to give us. Abundance. Abundant life. It's the wrong priority. It's the wrong focus of our heart. Verse 24 in chapter 6, Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and you can't serve money because you're going to end up hating one and loving the other. And isn't that the sword of the gospel? Jesus said, it's, it's one or the other. It's either God or your stuff because you can't serve both. Now, please, I want, I, want, I want to say this again. Having things is not a bad thing. Having money is not a bad thing. If you don't have money, then you can't put food on the table. You can't pay electricity. I mean, we, we need food. We need to earn. It's good to have, again, clothes. It's you all got here in a car or you got a ride. But to be mastered by the desire of those things, to make those the priority of your life, you are put in slavery to them. To be worried and anxious about getting more and about getting the bigger thing. It's, it's, it's evidence that it's controlling you. It's controlling your heart. It controls the way you live. And it keeps the wrong thing the priority. We become enslaved. And Jesus says, listen, don't be anxious about that stuff. 
Don't make that the priority of your life. Don't be burdened about money and about stuff and about things. See, people are who are enslaved to those, people, that's where their treasure is. That's where their heart is. They're always stressed about it. They're always worried about it. They're worried about losing it. They're worried about keeping it. They're worried about keeping up with the Joneses. They're worried about their status. And, and the slavery of the world and possessions and things, it, it leads to a loss of the abundant life that Jesus came to give. Straight up. We are more than just things. We are more than just the physical. You are more than your bank account. You are more than your bottom line. You are more than all the assets that you have. You have been created in the image of God. You tracking with that? You've been created in the image of God. Let us create man and woman in our image. And so you can stand butt naked with not a thing to your name except your name. And you are worth more than all the silver and gold, diamonds, rubies, and emeralds in this world that this world has to offer. Your value does not come with what you earn, how much you have accomplished, what you have in the bank, how big your house is. Your value comes because you have been made in the image of God, period. That's it. That's, that's the message. And this invitation that Jesus gives us. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. All that stuff, man, just falls into place after that. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. See, this is the only thing that's worthwhile making a priority in your life. That's it. That is the one thing that, that you can surrender to that means something. Surrendering to God, surrendering to the kingdom. God is the maker of all, sustainer of all. God is all goodness, all love, all grace, all mercy. And he's inviting us to seek that first. Forget about all that other stuff. Seek first the kingdom. He takes care of the birds. He takes care of the flowers. They weren't made in his image. How much more will he care for you? Seek first the kingdom. You are never going to satisfy your self-made God. You will never satisfy it. And trying to satisfy these gods that we produce in our lives, it's, it's the beginning and it's the middle and it's the continuation of all our heartache and problems. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Come to the correct understanding that we live with God. And all the stuff that we have, the food, the clothes, the house, the car, the bank account, it means very little in the, in the, in the sacred scheme of things. In fact, when God calls us home in that moment, they will mean absolutely nothing. Nothing. Live your life like the only thing that matters is your relationship to God through Jesus Christ. That's the invitation. That's what we're being invited into. And when that becomes the priority of your life, everything else just kind of falls into place because it all gets put into perspective, an eternal perspective, a sacred perspective. Maybe you're thinking, all right, oh, bald one. I get the kingdom thing. I think I can, I can go after that. I, I can seek 
God's kingdom. But that righteousness part, oh, hmm. I mess up. I sin. Sometimes I sin the same sin over and over again. And I ask for forgiveness, but I just go right back to it. I fall, I fail. That whole righteousness thing, that, that keeps me kind of that keeps me kind of distant. Would you read for me that? You don't have to stand up. Just read for me that verse out loud. Everybody. But. But seek first his kingdom. I think we can say it if we were rewording it. The translation of Dennis. And seek first his righteousness. The righteousness of God is Jesus Christ. Seek first Jesus Christ. That's where our righteousness comes from. Make him the priority. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become what? His righteousness. Our our righteousness comes through faith. Romans chapter 3 or 2. Our righteousness comes through faith in who? In Jesus Christ. This is not about behaving correctly. This is about seeking Christ, making him the priority. He came to gift us his righteousness. It's his gift to us. A righteousness that we would never, ever be able to achieve. He has come to awaken us to that truth. He's come to awaken us to this new way of living. He tells us, I've, I've lived the law for you perfectly. I have met every demand of the Father perfectly for you. I've taken your punishment on the cross. Your sins have been forgiven. You've been washed clean. This is my righteousness given to you. This is the gift of God. Seek the kingdom. Seek his righteousness, and everything else just falls into place. The words of the the old hymn, it says, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the lights of his glory and his grace. Jesus cares about our priority. He invites us to make this the priority. Will we answer his invitation? Father, I want to thank you that you invite and you woo and you call. I want to thank you that you are not a heavy-handed God. You're not a pressuring God, but you're a loving and graceful and merciful God. Thank you for the gifts that you've been given, uh, that we've been given. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his example of living in harmony and rhythm with you. Thank you for his righteousness that's been given to us by faith in him. Thank you for every day, for every breath, for every step, for every beat of our heart. We come before you in that precious name, that name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.